You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. How come he never went on to do more acting? Uh, he did. He was in a movie called uh, Duets with Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Coming soon to an episode. Really? Yeah, I think they... Well, I don't know. You, have you seen that film? Never have. Dude, it's not bad. It's got no. Paul Giamatti. Well, it's and Huey those... Lewis, apparently. And is it Keira Knightley? No, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Not a very strong singer. No. Nope. But nope. Uh, Paul Giamatti set of pipes on that dude. <laughs> Can he sing? Yeah. What does he sing? Oh, he sings all manner of songs. It's I about karaoke. Dude, I can't, I can't imagine believe... him singing a song. Well, you should see uh, duets. At the Copa. <laughs> Copa Cabrana. <laughs> no, it's not bad. That's cool, man. It's it's kind of uh, touching. Yeah? As touching as a movie about karaoke singing karaoke. can be. Karaoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like here's a movie that had a very classic karaoke scene. Uh, it was called... Uh, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. No, no. But that does have a classic karaoke really? scene. Oh, yes. yeah, that's right. The, Cameron I say Diaz. a little prep for you. I always uh, I tell Jenna that uh, she reminds me of her, of Cameron Diaz from uh, that... Uh, you should fucking no. apologize right now. No, it's so no. That's it's actually a compliment because she says, you know, oh, I'm not that strong. I'm not comfortable up there. And I'm like, yes, but the the remember how the audience was like feeding off of how much fun she was having. Yeah, she just like owned it mm-hmm. and then won the audience over. And then by that the was like it. her bit in every movie she did after that. Like, Diaz. in in Charlie's Angels when she did the dancing and, oh, on yes. Soul Train, shaking her booty, and, and it was panties. like, oh, she's just having fun. <laughs> so it's fun. Uh, no, uh, it was called Ordinary People. And it's got David Byrne from the Talking Heads in it. Ordinary people. And it's um, you remember their their video for Wild Wild Life, where it's a bunch of people getting up and singing that song like karaoke. Oh style? yes, it's yes, actually a scene in the movie with John Goodman. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, dude. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. I like that dude. You learn something new every day. Not John Goodman, but Gabriel. You don't or... like John Goodman? No, I do like. You don't John like Goodman, Walter? I mean, of course, everybody likes. Do you see the trailers for the, the new, original the new Roseanne? I did. Yeah. Everybody's coming back. And like the big concern that everybody's brought up is like, well, how are they going to explain that you know Dan died in the show? <sighs> yes, but it was and the commercial was fucking amazing. During oh, how the did Oscars, they, how they did, they did a commercial where Roseanne wakes up in bed and she looks over and there's Dan and he's got like one of those CPAP masks on. Oh no! And she's like, Dan, wake up! And he's like, Oh, she had this weird dream that. I was dead. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. That's all you really need to do. That's what they did with uh, Will and Grace. Have you seen any of the new Will and hey, Grace? Hey, Will and they Grace. They, uh, they basically take the first two minutes of the, the first episode of this new season uh-huh. and, and in a coy kind of winking, uh, breaking the fourth wall sort of way, say that <laughs> we're throwing everything out. Very that subtle, in the last I'm sure, season. because yeah. if Sean Hayes is anything, <laughs> he's very subtle. It's kind of sad to see hey! like, 50-year-old Sean Hayes still trying to play like mid-20s playboy. I don't think he was ever mid-20s in that well, show. But were any of the friends ever mid-20s or were they all... 30s oh, dude, playing mid 20s. You know what? You're probably right about that. We've been revisiting some friends, though. You think Friends is going to come back? No, no. Uh, th- th- they've been trying to. Some people are up for it, and then others are like, fuck that. Like, I'm sure Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox are all about it. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Chandler wants to come back. <laughs> you don't I think can't so. even call him by his name. Matthew Perry. Matthew pardon. Perry. Mm-mm. I bet Lisa Kudrow is like, I- I'll do it for a paycheck. She's got her own career. She doesn't need friends anymore. Right. What is she doing? Well, she's got some like shows on Showtime, or did she had an HBO show called The Comeback? That's that's what I'm talking about. That was like a decade ago. Oh, okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> Listen, 
they're I'm sure they're getting nice little paychecks on a weekly basis off of the uh, the oh, syndicated yeah. rights. The residuals. That's right. As they like to call them. They do like to call them. Um so I checked out a movie this past weekend. Oh, what did you see? I saw Death Wish. Death Wish. Oh no, this is the Bruce Willis Eli Roth directed remake yeah. of the 80s. From the 70s. 70s, yeah. that old, huh? Yeah, Charles Bronson, Death Wish. It's been getting a little bit of controversy because uh, critics say that it's pro-gun. It's a little tone-deaf in, in this time that we're living right now. Well, listen, when you... It's a little bit of a tone-deaf movie. When you're making these films years in advance, who's to know that there's going to be, what, nine school shootings That's in the last true, three months? That's true, but a studio should be able to read <laughs> read what's going on in, in current events and go, maybe we shouldn't release that right now. Now, Eli Roth is coming out and saying, I don't know what movie you guys are seeing, but the one I made is not... Does not glorify guns. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. That's it's good. it's actually it's an okay movie. It, it definitely illustrates that John McClane, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. has gotten real old. I know. He is real old. And like sometimes you're looking at him in some of these scenes and you're like, You are not the action star you think you still are. Aww. You really need to hang it up. You need to find another genre. You need to play the character you played in the sixth sense. <laughs> find more characters like that. That are well, dead. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, he needs to subdue it a little bit. But you know what? Look at Liam Neeson. He's been playing that role in like a dozen or so movies that have come out in like the past five years. Yeah, yeah. ten years or so, right? When ten? did the first Taken I come out? The first Taken came out like six, seven years ago. Let's see, IMDb. You, you, might, you're, right. you are Joel Bernson. <laughs> you are JB. Um, no, I. But the thing is, I, Liam Neeson has not aged as dramatically and drastically as Bruce Willis has. Yeah? Liam Neeson still looks like how he looked back when he did Excalibur. I know, and he's still doing his own action scenes. So it, 2008, it, by the way, taken, it, it so 10 years works. old. It works with Liam Neeson. Bruce Willis is now kind of puffy and wrinkled. and I know. He he was not blessed with amazing genetics. He is not like, he is not like a Brit. He's, he's more Irishmen, of a, Brits, they true. age really fucking well. Look at Pierce Horrible Brosnan. teeth, but uh, the body keeps going. Look at Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Still a super attractive guy. Uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Colin Grant. Firth. Looks this. Yes, all those Colin guys. Colin <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, they came out today and said that the Terminator 6... Good God. Also Six. starring Arnold. It's getting harder and harder to justify what? his existence in these movies. Oh, even though the robots are uh, immortal, like the, the skin that we put on top of them still ages. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so, Did you ever see that last one, Terminator Genesis? No, I have not. I, I, it, it's sitting on a hard drive in the other room, and I cannot bring myself to, to watch it. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's, it's, uh, but yet, they're uh, filming part six. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Were they ever going to come back to the the Terminator story that they were telling I, with uh, with uh, Christian Bale? Oh well, yeah, that was supposed to be its own trilogy. Like yeah. that was supposed to to uh, with kick Sam off. Worthington. Exactly. And, yeah, they they ended up not not going anywhere with that. Yeah, which is too bad. Well, here's the thing they they keep blowing their chances. Like mm-hmm. all we want to know, all, we want to see how the shit went down, and they keep telling these little side stories yeah. around the one major event story that we care about. Right. And uh, now audiences are just like, Terminator who? Like, this is a movie no, that's... No, it's Terminator 2. <laughs> it's a movie that's 40 years that old now, right? That would be awesome, though, if David Tennant was a Terminator. <laughs> Terminator who? Dr. Terminator. Um, so, yeah, no, Death Wish, not a bad film. What I enjoyed most about Death Wish was the fact that it, it was shot in Chicago. It takes place in Chicago. Oh, and you were just and there? Fresh off my trip, so I'm sitting there going, oh, I remember that. Uh-huh. I've been there. Isn't that great? I've, I, saw, I saw that. 
Uh, oh, speaking of which, uh, a lot of people have posted a picture of, uh, what's the name of the guy from Premium Rush, the bad guy? Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon mm-hmm. watching the Oscars yes. at a bar. <laughs> On silence. On silent. <laughs> that is the bar we went to before before we checked out the Second City show. No way. That was playing Empire Strikes Back on the TV. I took a picture of it. <laughs> so like people have posted, I'm like, oh yeah, I watched Empire Strikes Back on that TV two wow. weeks ago and posted a picture with all the same little paintings. You're and stuff famous. On it. No. Well, I wish I was. Kind of, but you shared I'm the same co opting his fame. We, yeah, we did. Dude, I love Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon's great. He's dude. all over the place, too. Yeah, He's yeah. like in every movie coming mm-hmm. out. Did When's see, he going to get an Oscar? Did you see Shape of Water? I did see Shape of Water, yeah. Oscar-winning Shape of Water. Did it deserve the Oscar? Well, it's one of the few Oscar movies that I did see that was nominated. So of <laughs> of the nine that were nominated and of the two that I've now seen, yeah. what's the other one we saw? The Post. Did you see The Post? Still haven't seen that yet. Mm. I, I, yeah. It was okay. That's what, what, I don't think it really deserved an Oscar nomination. So the ratings came back, and this was like the lowest rated rating uh, Oscars in, well, at least since last year. But I, they, yeah, they keep I, gradually yeah. dropping, but like by 20%, by leaps and bounds. Um, and everyone's blaming like, well, the movie, nobody really got excited about any of the movies that were nominated. And I can understand because even the ones that I've seen, to answer your question, no, I don't think it was the best picture. <laughs> of, I, I saw other films that I enjoyed more, I thought were... It's it's a great film. Don't get me wrong, and I love it. It just seems like a weird. It seems like a makeup. You yeah. know, the Oscars are like, oh, you don't think we can uh, nominate and, and award a fantasy film? Like yeah. we're going to do it. We're going to do Lord it. Lord of the Rings, and here and is a minority director, and this is the year. And yeah. you're like, hey, that's great and everything, but why don't you pick a movie that actually deserves it? It's a great little ditty, uh-huh. um, but I have no desire to go back and see it. It's one of the problems with watching the Oscars and like the social media aspect that goes along with it. Yeah. Uh, and and you, can't, you cannot escape a personal bias because that's the thing about film. It's art, and it's what it does to us personally. Um, and that's a beautiful thing about art. That's, a, that's a, the greatest thing about movies. It's one of the things I love about it. That's why I'm such a movie buff is because... I love being transported somewhere else or being, you know, affected by what it is that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. That is the art form that really speaks loudest to me. But I I understand, like, I'm not going to attach my own, like... I'm trying to imagine, like, if I was alive when Rocky won Best Picture... Right. You know, I, I don't think I'd be, like, fist-pumping and, like, yeah, yeah, Italians, we won, <laughs> we got it, we got, we got Rocky... Because, honestly, like, that's not how... I don't want Rocky Balboa to be the representation of me. Right. Um, I love the movie, and I identify with it, but at the same time, you know, I don't feel like a a personal stake in whether Rocky wins the movie or not. As it should be. Um, And so that's... It's tough because now it seems like... And we talked about it. I'm trying to be very sensitive about it because... I can tell. um, uh, We talked about it a, a week or so back, though. We talked about Get Out. And you had talked about, like, there's a formula for what's going to get an Oscar nomination. And you're not wrong. And it's frustrating. Like, watching the Oscars, I was brought back to that discussion that we had. And I started getting really frustrated about it. Like, I'm seeing this stuff, like, for Call Me By My Name or Call Uh, Me By Your Name. Yes. And I'm looking at... And I love Army Hammer. I think he's a fantastic actor. my favorite uh, powder. Uh, (laughs) Yes. It's really... If you throw it in the oven for a couple minutes, you know, (laughs) it kind of freshens things up. That's right. Um, No, I like him. I think he's a fantastic actor. Uh, I didn't see the movie, but like all the Oscar, and that honestly, they don't ever really pick the best clips for the Oscar stuff. But everything I've seen, I'm like, okay. I feel like I know what I, it's about. I yeah. feel like I've seen it from the clips and trailers. Yeah, a few times, and it, it it's it seemed very Oscar baity. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what it seemed like with all a lot of the nominated films. Is that like, oh, uh, this is just kind of Oscar bait. It's Oscar bait. This is. 
Certainly it's Dunkirk. I'm sure Dunkirk is great, and everybody who's seen it tells me it's great, but I, 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 it's hard for me to cobble up the energy to want to sit through another two-and-a-half-hour World War II film. Yeah. And, and, and we're talking about Christopher Nolan, one of my favorite filmmakers. Right, but I think this is the kind of... This is a movie that I think a lot of Christopher Nolan fans weren't getting excited about. Um, the... The uh, the the sound editing and sound design. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but like both categories, it was the same five movies. Oh, of course. <laughs> this is what frustrates me all the time, and especially with um, like best editing and best um, best original score. It always pisses me off that like, oh well, surely the five movies that were nominated for best picture also have the best score. No, that is rarely the case mm-hmm. in my experience, and in fact. Some of the worst movies have some of the best scores. Yes. Well, you know what had a decent score? <laughs> yes. The Dark Tower. Uh, did it? <laughs> yeah, I thought it had a decent score. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was not a, not a Rotten Tomato score. Not it memorable. didn't have a decent Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I this look is up. the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name is Joe. Mine is Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies. Sometimes they're bad movies. No matter what the case, every week we will watch a movie uh, and uh, take it apart, dissect it, find out what it did right, what it did wrong, and then see if we could put it back together our own way. Uh, and we'd love to talk about it with you, our Editing Bay listeners. You could talk back to us, take part in the discussion, uh, obviously not in real time, on Facebook uh, slash Editing Bay, or just put the Editing Bay in the search bar, and uh, you could find us that way as well. This just in, Tom Holkenborg sure. did the score for The Dark Tower. <laughs> so, sorry for no nominations for Tom Holkenborg. Did you ever see the Bruce Campbell movie uh, Bubba Hotep? I did. Brian Tyler did the score for that. Who's that? And it was super great. Brian Tyler. I know. <laughs> he's the guy who scored Bubba Hotel. Okay, there you he's go. also done a couple Marvel movies too, I think. Mm. Yeah, he's he's done some big pictures. Uh but Bubba Hotep is a movie that I probably a majority of the the people out there have not seen. Uh, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Bruce Campbell is an aging Elvis. That's all you need to know. He's an aging Elvis Presley. Uh, he's faked and, his own death, and, and he's in a uh, an, an old folks' home. Yep, living out his years with uh, with with JFK. That's what. That's right. His brain was apparently transplanted into a black man, played by Ozzy Davis. I love it. It's so great. He's really good. It's fun. They're both super good in this movie. I remember seeing that movie. Um, the company I worked for at the time, we decided, hey, let's have a, a little outing. We're all Bruce Campbell fans. It was a small. There were like eight of us. Uh-huh. And we just took off an app Friday afternoon, went to go see a Bubba Hotep yeah. at the the local theater. Probably went to the Angelica. Probably, and it was all fun and games until the the scene where uh, aging Elvis, uh, played by Bruce Campbell, is getting a, a hand job. By the uh, by the nerd, not really. It's not it's not a hand job. He's getting, well. It's like a uh, it's like she's rubbing like petroleum jelly because he's got junk. cancer on his cock. Yeah, but he's enjoying a little too much. It was quite uh, uncomfortable <laughs> sitting next to your coworkers. Really, watching a scene like that. Yeah, I'd been okay with that. Yeah, I sat Even next to my friends uh, and watched it. With, I was like, all right, cool. With your uh, your female who's twenty years your senior. Yeah, from accounting, sitting next to her, Carol from accounting. That'd be weird. <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> She just doesn't little, give a fuck. It's a little uncomfortable. All right. So, The Dark Tower. Dark Tower. 2017's yes. The Dark Tower. Not Oscar dominated. Based on uh <laughs> based on the Stephen King book series uh of the same name. Beloved. Oh, a fantastic book series. I love it. It's uh the very first book like the very first adult book uh that I ever read hmm. was The Drawing of the Three. Which, which is, is the part sequel. two yeah. of the Dark Tower. So I was very confused. <laughs> Too many numbers. It's one of those things where I, I picked up the book and just read it because I thought the cover was cool. Mm. And I started reading it, 
And it was one of those, it never really struck me that, huh, this book seems to be taking place. Like, it seems like other shit's going on. I feel like I should know who this character is hmm. because they're just getting into it. Uh, but I read through the whole thing and fucking loved it and then realized it was the sequel to a book <laughs> and went back and read the first one and then reread the second one again well, with Joe, a little bit of a deeper understanding. You just described my experience watching The Dark Tower, which is, <laughs> this seems like <laughs> characters and things that I should know. You're, you're showing up in the middle of the story. Exactly, and I really wish somebody would explain to me what all this means. Well, here's the difficulty with that, Joel. Right. The Dark Tower movie has very little to do with the books. What? Yeah, it has very little to do with the books. What do you, what do you first, mean? First of all, uh, it opens up with this uh, this text on the screen that says, A tower stands at the center of the universe, yes. protecting us all from darkness. It is said the mind of a child can bring it down. All right. No. <laughs> that isn't an element. That has nothing to do with the story of the Dark Tower. What, what are you talking There's about? There's nothing like that that goes on in the books. There is a Dark Tower. Mm -hmm. And what the Dark Tower is, is like, it is the... Um, it's the, the the support. How did how did I put it? Um, the tower is, um, but it is an actual it, tower. It right? represents the constant foundation of the universe. So, and there is one in every universe. In Roland's world, it's an actual dark tower that stands at the center of his universe. Got it. In our world, it's a rose, a single rose that's growing in a vacant lot in New York City. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like that's, that's the way that they Stephen kind of it, the way that they've explained it. Um, it is. Like I said, it is a foundation. If the tower was to fall or be taken by evil forces, mm -hmm. the worlds would collapse within themselves. That's... It's not like a beacon that's protecting. It's not a shield generator <laughs> for evil things. That's the way it's portrayed but in this movie. But that's the way it's portrayed in this movie. And at no point in the books are they ever like taking children like in the dark crystal and yes. like putting them in machines and taking their essence and firing it like darts. <laughs> the what, dark tower. what the hell? This is supposed to be like an adaptation of uh, this beloved series that was going to kickstart this trilogy supposed to be. Of, yeah. of films. It was supposed to be. Where, so it where did all that come that. from? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the the, the screenwriter interpretation. It huh? is a it is a loose interpretation. Well, and you had and said, it's also kind of a sequel. Yeah. to the books. So apparently, and, and that's now been I guess confirmed since that this isn't an actual adaptation. It's actually a sequel. Um, I don't know how much we should be giving away here for those who. Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're going to be making any more of these movies. I don't think they're going to make any more based movies, on the but fact they are going to make a TV series. Is that still a moving seven, forward? A seven-part TV series is still in the works. And Idris Elba's coming back to reprise Elba his role? and the, the boy who played Jake. Oh, nice. They're going to bring them back <laughs> to play gonna those. Be like, it's going to be like Friends. He's going to be like 25. <laughs> He's playing his character. Playing a fucking 13-year-old. Uh, all right, so... I'm going to try to give you okay. as condensed a version of all eight books well, as I can. Good luck because this movie tried to do that for one of the books and it didn't See, quite work out. But what they did in this movie is like they took elements from like three of the eight books and but they weren't the best parts of those books. Yeah, apparently and they kind of mushed those things together to make this movie. Apparently like the two major characters, the main characters from the series aren't even in this film. Well, there's two of them. Yeah, Susanna and Eddie are there not you in this go. movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So you have the gunslingers. Mm -hmm. They're like uh, what? They're like knights in this world, right? Uh, they even uh, reference that uh, Excalibur. I'm gonna get to that. Oh, okay. All right. I'm gonna get to that. I'll let you but, do uh, your thing. Then. But yeah, no. Uh, Roland is actually part of the royal family. Hmm. Uh, and okay, there's the man in black, basically. <laughs> 
and he is the. Uh, Why like, do I feel like, like we need the, the Benny worm Hill? Tongue. We need Benny Hill. <laughs> He's the Grimal Worm Tongue, basically, of this world. Okay, and he betrays Roland's father. He seduces Roland's mother mm. and betrays Roland's father, kills Roland's father. So Roland swears revenge and is. Ch- oh, we found a chest. Um, <laughs> so. They uh, so Roland <laughs> is basically chasing after the man in black okay. to get revenge, and that's where the book starts. The first book starts, and that's where we hear that phrase: "The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed." Yeah, those are the first words of the first book, and it's because Roland is chasing after the man in black, Walter. <laughs> Along the way, he meets up with Jake Chambers at a way station, and uh, and realizes like that this boy is going to be a test, and Jake comes from. Our our world from the seventies, basically. Oh. Jake is pushed into traffic and killed, <gasps> but before he fully dies, his spirit is sent to Midworld, uh, and that's where he finds himself, uh, and that's where Roland finds him. Okay, and so Roland is forced. Basically, he's chasing after Walter, and he's made a choice: like either he can catch Walter on the other side of a mountain, or he has to sacrifice, or he has to save Jake. He sacrifices Jake to get to Walter. Oh, so then in the next book, the drawing of the three. Uh, Roland has to draw new companions to go on this quest with him. One of them is this guy, Eddie Dean, who's a junkie that lives in New York City in like the early 80s. Another one is uh, a, a woman with uh, like a multiple personality disorder named Detta Walker. And, I'm impressed oh, you're doing this all from memory, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Detta Walker and Odetta Holmes. And she ends up becoming Susanna Dean when they mel- meld her personalities. Uh, and then he brings Jake back. He catches Jake at an earlier point in Jake's history, and Jake comes so through. So there's time travel involved now, too. Yeah, there's some time travel On involved. top of, like, universe yeah. jumping. And then and, and when he finds... Roland finds these doors on a beach, and they're all floating, and that leads him to each of these people. Hmm. But when he goes in the doors, he's like, he's like a, a passenger in their minds, like, looking hmm. through their eyes. But he figures out a way to come through as well. And then the fourth door that he opens is the man that pushed Jake into traffic. <gasps> And so what he ends up doing is, like, using this guy to achieve some things and then kills him. Got it. Uh, all right. So then the group is now on the adventure to get to the Dark Tower. And that's, that's book their two. Whole, this, that's book two. I just finished <laughs> book two. Book three. Four more to go. Book three is them traveling through the wastelands uh, to make their way further down the path of the beam. And there's, like, you know, animals that represent this, that, whatever, cities that have broken down. They keep saying that the world has moved on, and it means, like, that shit has been basically fucked up for centuries like in the movie you see that there's like an amusement park and yeah. Roland's like these are ancient structures nobody knows what they are and Jake says it's a, it's a theme park uh, but that's Pennywise yeah and, uh... that's what they, but they say that the world has moved on um, so we find out in, through the books that like there's a history of Roland and his his brothers his uh, gunslinger brothers uh, and that you know this is this is from the book Wizard and Glass which is book four mm-hmm. uh, where it shows like how Roland had loved and lost uh, a witch had basically killed the woman that he loved, and it kind of shows his coming of age. Uh, and then we get to... Uh, each book kind of has a different sort of theme. So then you get to book five, which I believe I believe that one's called Wolves of the Kala. And that's kind of like an old Western kind of thing. where The Black Panther? Roland, yeah, Wakanda. Uh, where Roland, <laughs> Eddie, Susanna, and Jake come across this town that's being ransacked. Like every every so often, every month or so, like these... Uh, these beasts come from the mountain and steal pe- their children away mm-hmm. and take off. And that's kind of where they got this from in the movie where like the children are getting stolen. Mm. And so Roland and, his, Temple of Doom. Roland and his compadre, compadre, comp- compadres, 
whatever you want to say, yeah. uh, end up agreeing to help these people defend themselves and kill these, these monsters. Bring back to us. Bring, bring, bring back, back to us. us. Uh, and so then we get to book of book six, Song of Susanna, mm. which is when uh, Susanna's personalities are fighting with each other, and she ends up escaping into our reality uh, and goes and, and meditates in front of the statue of the turtle, which I think I showed you a picture yes. of. Yes. Uh, she, she meditates at the statue of the turtle because she feels like she has to go on her own or else she's going to risk she's going to sacrifice her group uh, she'll be a danger to them well Eddie Roland and Jake also come through a portal to our world but they end up in Maine and end up um, they end up saving a very famous author from getting killed yes. in an accident I hear that there's a bit of meta yeah in the... Stephen King puts himself in his own story <laughs> so now Stephen King Roland Eddie and and Jake have to find Susanna and also have to make their way to the Dark Tower they have to find the Dark Tower uh, long story short they find, their, they find their way to the Dark Tower and uh, and make the uh, the final stand. And Against Roland, the, the Crimson King? Roland is able to go, yeah, Roland and Roland is able to go into the tower. Um, Sounds like there's a lot of uh, complexity, a lot of world yeah, building, a lot yeah. of little details and minutiae that you really kind of have to appreciate and, and it's, be it's, fed very slowly yes. and not in a 90-minute film. It's a fantastic bit of lore that Stephen King has put together. It is his Lord of the Rings saga. Well, it's unfortunate then that this is the first, what was intended to be the first of many Yeah, um, that may just now be a TV series. So just to tell you this, one of the things that goes wrong at the end of the Dark Tower book, spoiler alert, yes. is that Roland is supposed to get to the Dark Tower and, and blow the Horn of Eld, but it's been destroyed at the Battle of Jericho Hill. So he doesn't, have, he doesn't have a horn. Uh, and so he goes into the Dark Tower, and there's a bit where Stephen King writes, and he's like, if you want, just imagine this is the end. But if you want to know what actually happens from here, go ahead and read. But if you end here, this is fine. Uh, and if you keep reading, you find out like the story repeats itself. It's all that it starts, a loop. It starts all over again. The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. But this time, Roland has the Horn of Eld. Mm-hmm. And that is what's going on now, bringing me back to this movie. Okay. If you're really paying attention, if you're a fan of the books and you're paying attention, you see in Roland's gear, he has the Horn of Eld. So that's so why this is picking up this where the last picking book up where left the last off. book leaves off. All right, that makes sense. Um, not that that makes it okay, though. <laughs> not that it makes it okay because well, it allows them to kind of do what the Star Trek universe did, where they reboot it. We're like, hey, it's same world, same character, same future. Yeah, but we're going to use this gimmick to now have the freedom to do whatever we want. Exactly. Yeah, and that's kind of what they do here. the The problem with the Dark Tower film mm. is the fact that it has such rich characters and 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 background and world building that has you know that that came before it mm-hmm. and it utilizes little to none of it to create this story that they put on on the screen so i understand that and i actually think that was maybe the best way to go um because there's no way you can take everything that you just described and cram it into you know seven movies much less one so what do you do? You really got to distill it down. You got to get the audience on board before you can you can tell these the rest of these tales. Right. B- but there is so much fan service. It sounds like in this movie. I was reading about like all so the much, Easter eggs, so much fan service, and so many stuff. references not just to this series of books, but apparently all other Stephen, Stephen King, King books stuff. that are offshoots of this the, series. Shit! Within the first like five minutes, you see where the kids are playing on the playground, mm-hmm. and there's twins that it's are like the twins a reference from the to the Grady twins from The Shining. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Pennywise theme park, yeah. a little reference to it. 
Um, let me see. I've got I've got a couple all of over the place. Down. Apparently, the uh, the psychiatrist who Jake is seeing, he's got a he's picture got a of picture the, of the Overlook Hotel. Overlook Hotel on the back. Yeah. Uh, the All Hail the Crimson King. That's what the fuck? Okay, so what's the from fu- the stand? So this is okay. So uh, I can't, am I supposed to know that as an audience goer? So here's the thing: I'm okay with them distilling it down and trying to get the audience on board, um, and just telling a simple story, and then we'll build on top of that. And and in some ways they did that because you know these 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 two main characters, all the characters that you talked about, aren't even in this movie. We just have Jake, we got the gunslinger, we got the man in black. Right? They're yes. kind of the main three yeah. characters. Um, but then there's all these other little elements going around, and um, it feels like we need more explanation as to what is – where is this world? You, Why are there furry people? Yes. Who is the crimp – you can't talk about a character that isn't going to appear in this film. Well, like, I, I kept waiting for the end. When are we going to see the fucking Crimson and King? And I, I think they were referencing him as the as the Crimson King, that they're trying to play off Walter O'Dim as also being Randall Flagg, which – in some circles, in some Stephen King stories, that could be true, but it's the the Crimson King is much more a reference to the Stand than it it's is a red the herring, Dark Tower. The Crimson Herring. It was just a red herring. <laughs> then why put it in this movie? It doesn't because need... the Stephen King fans. That's you're, what I was going to exactly say. Right? It's fan service. Okay, so either go all in with your with your fan service thing, and uh, kind of like what some of the Harry Potter movies coming soon to an episode of the Editing Bay. Uh, a lot of the Harry Potter movies, especially near the end, they kind of gave up trying to get the general audience on board. They were like, you're either in or you're out at this point, and we're going to just start referencing things that are in the book that you kind of have to piece together on your own. Sure, If you get it, if you don't get it, you don't get it. If you get it, great. Uh But we're not going to try to get, okay, this is what this did, and this is why here. Fuck it. Well, because then it turns into like Tolkien and all his like right. his you know a supplemental material like oh oh well you've got to read the Silmarillion if you really want to enjoy <laughs> exactly. the dark t- the, no, 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 no 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 you know uh, and that's what I think Peter Jackson did really well with the Lord of the Rings movies is that he made it accessible to everybody mm-hmm. he he was it was just fan servicey enough mm-hmm. while still being a fine film on its own without right. having to rely on the supplementals. There were no references to Tom Bombadil no. that would have confused general but audiences. in the extended edition, there is a point where the, the hobbits get attacked by a tree, which is what happens in the Tom Bombadil story, but they just didn't put Tom Bombadil in the movies. Yeah, fine. Which is fine. But it's got to be standalone, and you can't... Yeah have all these little references to things that aren't going to pertain to this story. Right. So that's my major complaint. Here's the thing that frustrates me as a, as a fan. As a fan of the Dark Tower books, um, and and you know what? In movies in general, it, it, it frustrates me when it seems like the people that are producing a movie mm-hmm. make a decision that's technically and, um, and conceptually more complicated than just doing how it is <laughs> in the book. Like... That's, uh, what was it? I was talking to Sarah, but this is a, a horrible example, but it's a, right. an example that I'm thinking of. We were watching the latest uh, episode of Lethal Weapon. and there's, oh, the TV series. The TV series. Yes. And there's a bit where Riggs and Murtaugh are stuck in an elevator that's about to crash. And they open up the doors, and they the, the elevator falls, and they, but they jump through the door at the same time. And they used a really cheesy, horrible-looking effect. Yeah. And I was telling Sarah, I was like, you know, they could have had the same thing had they just had they opened the doors, got out, and then the elevator crashed down after yeah. they got out of it. That would have been just as good. I feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot and, and you're hurting your product by putting cheese in there. Right. It doesn't when, have to be that close of a call. Yeah. This doesn't need to be a Transformers movie where people are running and things are flying around them, narrowly right. missing them. Exactly. Um, Walter, in the books, the man in black never had an army of technicians. 
Nor did he have like really? a, a base of operations or anything like that. No, the first book, The Gunslinger. Uh, I feel like I've been lied to, Joe. The title of the first book, uh, The Gunslinger. Uh, so that whole book is a chase across a desert. That's the entire book. Why didn't they just do that? They could have, and it would have been just fine. Uh, and what it is is Walter is, like I said, he was like a a, a, a grand vizier, or he was, you know, he was kind of the wizard. Uh, so he had little tricks that he could do, mm-hmm. but he didn't have an army of technicians. He didn't have science. <laughs> he didn't have technology. He didn't have a base of operations. Didn't have the he dude from a, a, Cabin in the Woods. He didn't have the dude from Cabin and Marty from Cabin in the, the Woods. Wearing the big Lebowski sweater. He didn't have like a concentration camp where children were being held. Well, what is that all about? he didn't have an army of, of, of like skin wearers. He didn't have that either. He was just a madman running, trying to escape from Roland and using what he could to try to distract Roland. And when Roland finally found him... He was like, you know, you could kill me now or I could tell you what lies ahead. Because Roland, in his heart, even though he was bent on revenge, Roland is dedicated as a gunslinger. He is dedicated to the quest for the Dark Tower. And that's one of the things, and we'll get to that here in a second, but that's one of the things that Idris Elba's Roland was not. Uh, And that was a little disappointing. But Hmm. when they finally meet up at the end of the gunslinger, Walter tells Roland his fortune. He he draws his tarot cards and he draws Roland's fortune. And then they fall asleep and Roland wakes like 10 years later. Oh. And the bones of Walter are still st- sitting there. What? And Roland gets up to continue on his journey. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's really cool and it's eerie. Like the way they describe all of it, it's really neat. Um, and he like takes Walter's jawbone because apparently there's like mystical properties oh. in like the jawbone of like a, of a magic, uh, magician. Um, all this more interesting, so, all this way more interesting we saw. than the mustache twirling villain that Matthew McConaughey's, uh, yeah. the, uh, man in black was stop breathing. Stop. You kill each other. Yes. That, that wasn't a power that he had. He never had that. Oh, well, that's disappointing. It's disappointing. Joe, why do you suspect they did not stay true to the books? I think that the studios probably got involved, and they're like, well, we need something like Star Wars is big. We need something like Star Wars, like like Mm. The Force. Let's make that. It's The Shine. The Shining, Shining is Stephen King's The Force in this movie. What was cool about the, um, The Shining is that it was like Scatman Crothers and Danny. Like, are the only ones that could do it, and it was mystical, and it was weird, mm-hmm. and it was unexplainable, and that was it. Like, it was the thing that kept Danny and his mom alive through that story. Uh, and to watch The Dark Tower, basically, everybody, every child has an ability <laughs> to shine. Yeah. They all have The Shining, and they use it now. Now it's a power they can, they can fight house demons with. And was it not that way in the book? No, Jake didn't have The Shining. He didn't have The Shine? No, there was no shine. There was no shining at all. But, but in Joe, the his shine is pure. His, sh- his shine is we pure. We find that out from uh, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Oh, no. That was, yeah, Jackie plays, O'Haley. Uh, or or uh, the, not the comedian. Was Jackie the other O'Haley. He, yeah. played, uh, he played Rorschach. Uh, Rorschach. Rorschach. But, he, but he was Freddy Krueger. That's right, in the remake. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was no shining. It, it was nothing like well, that. It was well, that Jake just had visions. Even in the book, Jake had visions. It was... <sighs> well, now I'm just thoroughly confused as to why they went this direction. It seemed like someone thought this was a more convenient way to go rather than just tell the straight-up story, just adapt the story of what was going on in the Dark Tower. Was Stephen King involved in this film? I think Stephen King was involved, and I think I even saw some like quotes where he's like, I really like what they're doing with this. 
we've talked about this before, like with with pilots and you know stuff like that, where you throw as much as you can in there mm-hmm. because you don't know they're not you're not guaranteed to get that next one. So you try to throw in all the cool stuff that you can. But one of my problems with this, even though, and and I'll show my hand now, I like this movie. Okay, yeah, I see, I see I, why. I like the movie. Uh, and and maybe it's because it also hits on a little bit of nostalgia factor for me. This not only is this kind of based on a cool Stephen King story that I love, <laughs> but it's also like like they've mashed it together with what I fucking love about bad eighties movies, mm-hmm. like Masters of the Universe. Yeah, it has very much it's so much Masters of the Universe, in especially it. like when they come into our world. Yeah, that whole sequence. I was I was reminded of like He Man walking yeah. around New York. <laughs> When Jake's father appears to him, it's just yes. like when Courtney Cox's mother appears. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like, so someone watching Masters of the Universe was like, you know what? I bet we could do this we, with we the need, Dark Tower. Well, this movie needed more Gwildor. <laughs> we needed a little midget, you know, an elf yeah, or dwarf. Yeah, we, did, we didn't have that. Mm-mm. So I, I like it, but someone was scared to just go with, like, they didn't have enough faith in the source material to just go with what was in the book. Because if you go by what was in the book... That that book that movie would only have four characters in it. In, yes, okay. So, and in in my my research for this film, everybody kept saying, "Oh, this this film's been in development for decades. They wanted Since to make it back in the nineties. Yeah, J.J. Abrams was supposed he to was make this, which I I I would have liked to have seen his version because I think he knows how to look at Lost. This yeah. could have been like Lost. You yeah. just kind of feed the audience little nuggets here and there, but you still stick to the major character. We're we're a quarter into this film, and like I know who Jake is, I know his trials and tribulations, but I don't know. Well, already, we introduced like he's having dreams, which is a very convenient yeah. way to like uh, get get some information across. This movie exposition. is very sloppy with exposition. Yeah, it's like everything is just already known, uh-huh. and so we're seeing this uh, prophecy being fulfilled. But I don't really care. Yeah, because why should I? Right, right, and and that's the thing that Stephen King actually constructs within the course of seven books, eight books. He gives you a reason to care about this journey because it stops being at some point. It stops being about the Dark Tower, and it's about family. It's about what these people who have come together uh, to help each other achieve. But then on the outskirt, there's always Roland whose obsession, like Ahab with the whale, his obsession is still with the tower. Until eventually, throughout this journey, he's always presented the choice of these people or the tower. And more often than not, he chooses the tower. Yet, the more people he brings into his group, the more they start looking out for each other, and they seem to survive and keep moving on to that next Hmm. bit. Um, How is his characterization in this film compared to uh, in the books? It's good. Okay, there's some things that they do really well. Uh, Idris Elba, I would have never guessed in a million years that he, for him to be cast as Roland, I thought he was fantastic. He's just great in everything he does. He's really good. <laughs> he hasn't done a bad, even in bad movies, yeah. like this one, he's uh, good. My only complaint about him is some of the writing. That's the only complaint I have about the character, because at some point, you know, when he first meets Jake, and he's like, man, there are no gunslingers. And then he says something along the lines of, I'm not in it for your tower. I just want revenge. And it's like, no, that nope, isn't that is not that's not if if there's anything you need to stick to. And it's kind of like Spider-Man. Great power comes great responsibility mm-hmm. or Captain America. I could do this all day, you know, just fighting for what's right. The gunslinger, no matter what he does character wise, the tower is always his passion. Puts himself it's second. always his motivation. Yes. He comes second to the tower. Because they spent a lot of time setting up that his father was killed by Walter. Mm-hmm. Walter, the man in black. 
Yeah. Which I, I do love that his name is Walter. Like the, <laughs> the oldest, whitest name. You've got Matthew McConaughey. You're not, you're not wrong, Walter. <laughs> you're just an asshole. Um, and yeah, he's just hell-bent on, on revenge, it seems like. And he's kind of given up on the world. Uh-huh. So if they're, if they're diverging from what was in the books and trying to give that character a little... A little bit of a, a spin. Uh-huh. I appreciate that, but as an audience member who's never read the books, I don't know that Roland. I just right. know this one that you're presenting. Them. Yeah, and that's a shame because hmm. the the Roland that Stephen King introduces us to and and fleshes out uh, is way more rewarding by the end of the story. It's not like a fish out of water story. Him walking through New York. No, talking about you hot get dogs that. And... You get that in like the seventh book yeah. when they go into the New York City. And so stuff. Why? Why are they mashing up? Or even in the drawing of the three. Because they, they take a little bit of that, because uh, Roland ends up getting uh, attacked by beasts on the beach at the beginning of the drawing of the three. And when he goes through the door uh, to to get Eddie, mm-hmm. um, he's he has to get penicillin and antibiotics. And that's when he first tries Coke. Like, he's he takes over Eddie Dean's body, and he tries a drink of Coke. Now, when you say Coke, Coke okay. Yeah, Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, it is the 80s. Well, except, and Eddie so. Dean is a junkie, you know, so <laughs> he ends up having to sober Eddie up. But uh, he has his first drink of Coca-Cola, and like it's two pages that Stephen King is just describing this sensation that Roland <laughs> is experiencing for the first time of drinking, drinking sugar. And so that's why I was really I was tickled that they put that in the movie, yeah. where he's like, what is this? And the kid's like, sugar. That was a nice, funny little like, moment. Do you have any more of that sugar? It's like that was a little nod to something that's pretty profound in the book. So let's talk about some of the things that actually worked in this film. Sure. Because okay. I, I do think that that relationship between Jake and Roland, kind of a nice little father-son, uh, he takes him under his wing right. reluctantly. Um, J- Jake no longer has a father. Uh-huh. Um, and the father figure he does have, we don't like. Yeah. Always oh, oh, that stepfather, Ron. man. Or is Ron or Lon? Lon. It's Lon. It's Lon. How, how, many, how many syllables into his dialogue... <laughs> Did it take before you realized, well, he's going to die? Half of one. He's not going to make it past the well, first Well, in the act. books, there is no Lon. Oh, only there's, Zool? There's no Lon. In fact, in the books, Jake is has a rich family. Hmm. He's like a, a, a boarding school kid. Why are they changing I so much, know. Joe? He's a boarding school kid whose father is a, a coke addict who barely shows him any affection. Mm-hmm. And his mother uh, also is horrible at being a mother. She's just selfish and thinks of herself. The only person that he has in his life that treats him like they're her is their maid. And like oh. they make a huge point of like the maid is the one that really nurtures him. Not pictured in this film. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's why when Jake shows up in Midworld and establishes this relationship with Roland, that father son relationship between the two of them becomes super profound. Especially at the point when Roland has to sacrifice him to keep going after Walter. Mm. Uh, and, and it's like it's stuff like that, themes that they play on in the book like that that we don't get in the movie that you're like, why, why didn't you do that? Because it's got to still be like a, have a Hollywood ending, right? There has to be a big uh, uh, shootout at the end. Yeah. Uh, and the good guys have to win. Right. What you're describing sounds more interesting, but I understand that to have a bookend of this satisfying, a satisfying bookend to this film, mm-hmm. you, you can't kill, you can't have your protagonist but kill we, off a child. But we live in an era now where a movie like Logan has seen yeah. major success, and I would say that that doesn't exactly have a Hollywood ending to it. True, but he does sacrifice sacrifice himself for the children. Yeah, not not the other person. way around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, the uh, the relationship, despite that, the relationship between Roland and Jake in this movie, I do. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, I think that it's rushed. It's it's super rushed. This is a short film, dude. It's a 90-minute yeah. film. And yeah. I kept thinking like, oh, well, they just cut a bunch of stuff out. But apparently they didn't. 
Apparently, this is the film that <laughs> they decided the to make, and it's pretty much all there up on the screen. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's... Well, I take that back. So there was like a five-minute prologue, apparently, that they cut and like filmed one scene, like this whole children... Yeah. Uh, harvesting children. Hanging out in the playground. Exactly. The number 19 everywhere. Yeah, what... That's that's a Stephen King thing. The oh, number nineteen. In fact, no, more references. Uh, in in some books, in some of his books, if you go to like page nineteen, there'll be something like you know he's kind of got little things coded in his books. Page nineteen, chapter nineteen. Mm. Like if you if you take a look at those things, uh, you'll see some you'll see some some fun stuff that he. Throws I like that. Out. I like that. I like Easter eggs in films, but the film shouldn't be the Easter egg. Like without any other, it's I, I should be able to enjoy it not knowing any of these other things, and it looks like a fantastic world, and it's certainly got a lot of lore behind yeah, it. Yeah, what are these fucking globes that he's keeping in his in his closet? The don't, the man in black. Don't know that he's using to don't communicate. Know. Don't know. you don't know? And you've pa- read all pa- seven pa- books. A palantir. <laughs> it does right. <laughs> I don't remember. He's he's like Skype calling. I, I don't Roland remember anyone using crystal balls other than like there's a witch. Uh, in in Wizard and Glass, that's it. Uh, th- but Walter never used it. There was there was never a moment where the Man in Black was using different colored crystal balls. And what to, about to these people things. that um, are are wearing like uh, skin suits? Yeah, those, those that's a very very minor detail in a couple of the books. That I these... enjoyed that aspect of it. It kind of felt like um, I didn't the Matrix in this. I yeah. didn't I didn't like it because there are things that I didn't enjoy, even though they were elements that were in the books. And the reason I didn't enjoy them was because they weren't flushed out properly in the movie. Yes, yes. Um, you know, this is this if this is going to be a one shot film, it needed to be. Man, you need to make this about a two hour movie, and you really need to focus on that relationship, build yeah. the relationship between Roland and Jake, and also flesh out the motivation of Walter because he's he's evil for the sake of being evil. There's no story behind him. There's no reason why he is the way he is. Why were the gunslingers fighting Walter? Yeah, why does he want to bring down the Dark Tower? Yes. Why? And why are these people following him to do it? Don't they understand that that's going to bring some really horrible, evil shit? Also, like, I feel like a lot of these questions could have been asked through the character of Jake, mm-hmm. of Roland. Like, all, they're traveling in the desert for what seems like ever, yeah. right? Like, let's have a couple of scenes where we converse, and Jake is asking him the, the questions that the audience is asking. Like, mm-hmm. where am I? What, 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 That's what his character should be. What he is, is there, our avatar. There's magic now. How? Who can? Why do I have it? Why does nobody else? Why have I been having these dreams? They introduced mm-hmm. this whole dream thing to set up the plot and then never yeah. pay that off. It's lazy it's writing. It's frustrating. It's lazy writing. Uh, and and I hate saying that because again, you know, I've I've been a bit of an apologist for this movie. Yeah, you have. But I I do understand like why people don't like it. You know, having said that though, it wasn't a bad film. It's not bad. It's it? well shot. It's well acted. It's it, dude. It's beautiful to look at. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, there there are some things like I, I think some of the uh, some of the fight sequences are fun. I love watching Roland. As he's shooting and stuff, and the way he would he like fast loads his gun, dude. Yeah, he like it's, spins it and it just drops the bullets drops into the, bullets the chamber. In. <laughs> There's a scene uh, at the end during the big climax where he like literally just tosses uh-huh. uh, a, a dozen of them in the air and like catches, like, yeah, slams his gun into the bullets, uh-huh. and, like catches them that way. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Probably didn't happen in the books either. Uh, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did does some he do of that stuff. stuff. Like that? Yeah, he does stuff like that. So in the does books. he have? He doesn't have the sh- shining. No, he has no shine. Okay, but he seems to have like. Superhuman powers. That's gunslingers. He's got like Spidey sense. He's um he's of the line of Arthur Eld, uh, which (laughs) clearly of course we all know that in our world would be King Arthur. Got it. 
He and so he's actually there's there's a point where um when they go to that village and you see that old man and he's like, "Oh, you're a gunslinger." Yeah. I remember reading about you when I was a kid. And like that's right. Gunslingers age like Roland ages very slowly. Like immortals. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very likely that this dude, when he was a little boy, saw Roland, hmm. and now he's seeing him again in his 60s, and I Roland like probably still looks the same. Um, but he's, I mean, his his reflexes are faster. You know, he's he's strong, he's fast, and it's through the training it, to become a gunslinger. That's the things that he use, does to hone his powers. Would have been um, nice to know. Yeah, they and, and it would have been nice if, they, if they'd explained that. I agree. Um, the... Uh, I just, I, I just wish that as a fan of the books and as someone who really wanted to like this movie a lot, uh, and, 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 and while I like it, I don't like it as much as I wish I could. Um, for that, it needs to be a lot more of an, an intimate battle between Roland and the man in black. Uh, you know, it's your hero is only as good as your villain. Right. And while Idris Elba is really good as the, as the gunslinger, he still feels like, a to, like a bit of a cardboard cutout because the Matthew McConaughey character is not fleshed out. Enough. Yeah, take a cue from all these Marvel movies where we talked about it when our in our little mini Black Panther reviews where the villains are now more interesting than some of the heroes yeah. in these films. Between that and Spider-Man and... That's about it. <laughs> that and Spider-Man. <laughs> Especially when you have like... Matthew McConaughey, he gets a lot of shit because it's like, oh yeah, pot smoking, bongo yeah, playing, Matthew McConaughey, hey, hey, hey. He's he's a great actor, yeah, man. Yeah, he's a good actor, and and I think he proved with this movie that even though he was really mustache twirly, he still could be a good villain. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I really liked, like I said, going back to some of the battle sequences, there's a moment in this movie where they're in the village and the village starts getting attacked by Walter's men. Yeah, and one of them gets a hold of Jake Orcs. and starts like running off with Jake. Yeah, and there's a bit where Roland like uses tells everyone to be sense. quiet. Yeah. And he kind of like is canceling out all the noise until he could pinpoint the thing that's taking Jake away. Mm-hmm. And he makes that shot. He doesn't even look. He yeah. keeps his head down, pulls his arm up. And I got to admit, like, that was super badass. Yeah, man. It's super badass. More of that, dude. Exactly. And and that's the only point that we really get something like that until the end of the movie, which is a bit of a bullshit fight sequence between Roland and Walter. And again, I, I mentioned The Matrix earlier, but that did kind of feel like that scene in the matrix where they're storming the building and yeah. it's just like, all right, we're just going to, this is where Hollywood is taken over now. Right. We're going to get just a super. And it wasn't so bad where, where Roland's going after all like the, the skin wearers and stuff, mm-hmm. but then he ends up in that fight with Walter with all the broken glass and Walter's catching bullets yeah. and this, but Roland does something that I think is going to infuriate mathematicians everywhere. <laughs> and it's when Roland shoots a bullet straight at Walter. Yes. And then shoots a bullet and ricochets it off of a wall. To distract him. And they get to him at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Nope. That's not how that's not how that works, man. No. Velocity. Uh <laughs> that that first bullet is going to get to Walter first and he's gonna catch it and do the same old shit. Uh it was a cool idea. And I think if it was done differently, if he shot the ricocheted bullet first and then shot this, they you would have you would have fixed that problem immediately. I agree. Um, Not but yeah, since that Han was, Solo shooting first. That was that was a bit where I was watching it today and went, huh? <laughs> that's that doesn't seem Seems to make a, a whole lot of sense. Out of order. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I mean for the most part, I still I enjoy the movie, but I do see the flaws in it. Uh, I think that. As a fan of the Dark Tower, as a fan of the Stephen King books, mm-hmm. um, 
it's a little bit more uh, of an offense. I could see where fans of the Stephen King books would be like, this is bullshit, I can't get into it. Hey, man, I get it. I get where you're coming from, and you're not wrong. Uh, as someone who's just coming and seeing this movie from the outside, uh, you're not getting enough information. You're not getting enough background on these characters. So it makes it hard for you to invest, not just in these characters, but in the hour and a half of the story. What are these creatures? What like what attacked them out in the forest? Yeah, and and why did Jake not <laughs> ask that of Ron? What the fuck was that? Those were those are demons. A demigorgon. Yeah. Those are demons. In the um, where are we? Like, can in, he just in, ask where, are, where we? are we? When are we? In Midworld, uh, there's a point where Jake and Roland come across a uh, a, a circle. Basically, it's a uh, uh, a ritual circle. And wait, is this in the book or the movie? Yeah, this is in the book. Okay, this is in the book. They uh, they come across the circle because they have to ask of it like where Walter went so they can they can go the right way mm-hmm. um and it's a succubus mm. and it wants Jake Ooh. and Roland is like no no you can't have the boy you have to go through me and so basically Stephen King's weird. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's surprising anybody. <laughs> Stephen King's always throwing some weird sex shit into his movies, like an it where like they basically yes. gangbang down in the sewer. You told me about it that. It's so weird. Uh, but in the book, <laughs> Roland ends up like fight fucking a demon, uh, so that way it could you know tell him where Walter went. How's that work? Uh, and Roland won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he fucked it to death. He fucked it to death, basically. Oh, I like that. Into submission. Uh, that's what I do. And uh, and yeah, that's what happened. So what you saw in the movie was their answer to, well, we can't really have Idris Elba fucking invisible air for like two minutes, so we've got to do something else. To see that director's cut. Uh, so Now I see why they recast him as a black man. They, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Javier Bardem, no one would have bought No one would have bought oh, that. His shrinkled penis. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, there, there it is. It's, it's a movie that definitely has problems, uh, but for all of its problems... I find a, a little bit of charm in it. I think part of it is I've gone so long. Like I said, this is a book series that I've grown up with. Um, you know, I can't remember when the final book came out. I think it came out in like 2004. Oh, that recently. And I, I was reading maybe 2009. Uh, and I, was, I started reading it in grade school. I grew up with this series of mm. books. This is something that I never thought in a million years I would ever see come to life. So even in its mediocre mm-hmm. presentation, I appreciate that I got to see it on screen. It's like the Transformers movie. Like That is totally not how I would have done it. Yeah. Not what I wanted as a child growing up having watched the film or the, the TV series. Mm-hmm. But it's like, all right, well, it's still Optimus Prime. It's Peter Cullen doing the voice. And right. hey, it's a live action version. At least, yeah. at least it's fucking transforming robots. Uh-huh. Exactly. Like, yeah, there's that's Roland. What it's, would you have done, Joe? How would you have I'd have just approached. I'd this. have straight up adapted the first book. Didn't even try to be clever I, with I it and make tr- it the sequel. No, 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 no. Because no. I like that kind of continuous loop idea that he's doing the same quest over and but over again. But it doesn't again. work if no, if if ninety percent of the people who are going to see your movie don't understand that that's what's going on, then it doesn't matter. Why bother? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I would have just gone with a straight adaptation of the first book. Uh, it's strong enough in its own merit, and it it plays out like like a cool Clint Eastwood western with a little bit of sci fi thrown in there. And I think we live in a time now with like shows like Supernatural, dude. Yeah, where people would fucking totally dig Firefly. on something like that. Yeah, so I think that's what I would have done. I would have just told the story of the original of the first book. It seems like it will work better as a TV series. I don't know why they just didn't throw out this whole idea of of making it a film series. Like, 
are they really getting that much more money? I don't think so. Throwing sixty million dollars into a film that only got fifty million back, dude. Unless you're unless you're a Marvel movie, you're not making too much money at the box office anyway. Now, exactly, yeah. you got to go with your your streaming services and stuff like that. Yeah, this seems like it would have been ripe for a Netflix or a Hulu or yeah. an Amazon to pick up. Sure, I agree. Um, but it's still moving forward, you say? Yeah, it's still moving forward. They're still going to go forward with the, with the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else about this movie? No, not really. Um, it, like you said, it wasn't bad. It just felt like um, like everything that you've told me now, it, it actually makes me angrier. <laughs> because yeah. I thought that uh, they were really trying to whittle down and just get to the core essence of that first book. And, and maybe they put in a little too much fan service elements into it. Yeah. But now you're telling me they've like totally retooled it and taken some of the characters and tweak them to the point where they're not the character you they're, know. They're unrecognizable yeah. as the characters that I recognize. And I'm like, why? Who's, who, you're not serving the fans and you're not, in, you're not getting new fans. Yeah. So, well, and they're not even sticking to the science that they're creating for this movie. Uh, you know, where Walter's being able, he's able to tell people to do whatever it is he wants them to do and the only one that can resist him is Roland. Th- that was the other thing too, But yeah. then at the very end, they're like, oh my gosh, it's the kid. He's keeping the portal open. And and Walter's like, oh, all right, let's go fight, Roland. Why doesn't he just look at Jake and go, close the portal? Oh, good point. Yes. Clo- close the portal. Because he, he can resist his magic. Stop resisting my magic. As well. <laughs> Stop resisting. He's a fighter. <laughs> that and I sure hope that all the children that live like five feet away from uh, Walter's base of operations yeah. don't get harmed in that huge explosion at the end they of the movie. They didn't really address that. <laughs> and like, where are the... I was expecting him to join the, the circle kids. of the other kids. I was yeah. expecting Roland to rescue all the children. He did not bring back to us. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine the creepy old man sitting yeah. in a tub. Where... He did not bring back to us. <laughs> Indiana Jones just rolls in at the end. It's like, hey, we got the stones, but... That's uh, it. <laughs> Sorry about your kids. Oh, you wanted me to bring them back too? Because <laughs> the old man just talked about the stones. He didn't talk about the children. We got short round. I'll trade you. <laughs> All right. So what did the Dark Tower do right? Uh, the casting. Great cast. Again, child actors nowadays are so fantastic. This kid is is basically carrying this. The- he got a lot of grief and reviews. I don't know you if think you read so? some of that. I, I thought he was really good considering what he had to do. Yeah. And he's funny. Mm-hmm. And... He has he's a scene subtle. where he like he cries. Yes, he's yeah. very subtle. Uh, but the moments, he, like even when he when he learns that the man in black's name is Walter, he kind of does a little <laughs> double take. He's like, wait, wait, his name's Walter. His name's Walter. Um, yeah. There's another moment where um, they're in New York, or they're about to go. Yeah. At one when point, they, he, they go to the hospital. Was it that Jenna was talking about? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, you, prob- you probably, you probably shouldn't, shouldn't talk. Say, shouldn't talk here. <laughs> yes. Little moments like that. I thought <laughs> he was oh, great. Yeah, that's right. When they're on the bus, and and the, the girls are going, "Hey, baby, you looking for a good time?" And Roland shouts out to them, "You've forgotten the face of your father." <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, good good cast. The foundation was there. The mm-hmm. bones were there. Um, yeah. And somebody believed in this film to put enough money behind Ron it. Ron Howard. Yeah. His name was Ron Howard. Yeah, does this make you worry about... was originally supposed to direct it. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. To make you worry about Solo now? It doesn't, no. I'm not worried about Solo because my expectations are right it's super low. Yeah. I mean, hey, if I end up having fun with it, I'm going to be happy. I agree. Um, okay, so I agree with you. I think the casting in this movie was pretty darn good. Uh, I like the way... It looks. I like the way that yeah. that they portrayed. Like there are landscapes that that were described in the books that they translated in this movie. Mm. That I'm super happy with what they did. Cool. Uh, I th- uh, the uh, one of the things that I love the most, and this was something that was in book three 
the wastelands is when the demon, the house demon, attacks Jake. Yeah, that's in the book, and it play. It looks like just like like you imagine it looking just like how it happens in the movie. So like the, the except for the fact that like there's technology and like a Stargate or something that like people. Oh, is like, that not? That's not it. No, Jake. Um, Jake ends up. So this is this is the last time I'm going to reference something that happens in the books. So <laughs> I bet it's not. Starting in, in the beginning of the, the third book, Wastelands, Eddie Dean is in Midworld with uh, with Roland and Susanna. And he used to, when he was a kid, he loved to whittle, but he hasn't done it in forever. <laughs> he ends up picking up this piece of wood, and through the course of the story, he's whittling, and it turns out he doesn't even know. Like, he's just letting his hands do whatever it is they want to do. He ends up making a key. Mm. And so... There's another uh, session in one of the circles where both Roland and Susanna have to fuck fight a couple of demons. Yeah. And while that's going on, uh, uh, Jake is being attacked by this house demon, and he's trying to open the door. But the key on his side only works for on his side. Eddie has to use the key on his end as well. And so they end up opening the door at the same time, and that's how Jake is able to come through to Midworld. But it's just described as like the planks of wood that the house is made of yeah, kind of form a... Forming a maw. Really cool. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, and so, yeah, getting back to what, what the, the movie did right, visually, man, some of these visual styles and, and what they did, how they created, like, the things that were actually in the book. Not Walter's fucking base of operations mm-hmm. where he has a fucking a, a harp sitting in yes. his office with, like, a library. I don't know who fucking designed all this <laughs> shit, but, like, that's the stuff that took me out and went, Why? Why is this happening? Why is he Skeletor on Snake Mountain? Yes. Stop this. We don't need this. He operates on his own. Um, that shit I don't like, but some of the stuff that they took from the book, man, right. they did really well. So if he operates on his own, who are all of those other characters? Like, what are they They're not like? actual characters They're like from the Nazis. Books. They're not actual characters. They're the, cannon fodder. The, the, that's the, it. The technician, the they're, Hans they're, Franz. They're not characters in the books. They were literally just invented for this. They film. were in, they, these characters were invented. They were there were beings like that. Okay. in the books, and in fact, I think they also uh, exist in the book Hearts in Atlantis. What are they doing? Uh, but they they they're like minions. They're they're okay. these, these they're these creatures. They're leftovers from the old world old world. Okay. that disguise themselves as humans, and but they're beasts that serve the Crimson King. Who we, we will never find maybe out. Maybe have, or maybe we haven't. Okay. Yeah. Um. What did the Dark Tower do wrong? So I mean, that's it. Like, just answer some fucking questions, man. Just yeah. I, like eyes and audience. You gotta, you gotta ease me into this world. Yes. And if Jake is gonna be my avatar, as you like to say, I, I he's got to answer the questions or ask the questions that the audience is asking. Yeah. I, 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 I it seems like it's well thought out and mm-hmm. well planned. I, I just feel like. Jake would have been like, "Hold on, can we just sit down for a second right. and tell me what's going? Why have I been having these dreams? Yeah, and where are we? How old are you?" They, they attempted that a little bit when they went to that town, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that like where she's, and that's one of the problems that I I had too is that like you have the seer who's kind of explaining who Roland is and yeah. all this, and it's like don't explain it to us like that. Or when and now, yeah, getting back to that when when uh, Matthew McConaughey is uh, or hey. Whatever the fuck, I don't know how you say his name, but he's watching the fight in the town, and like he's he's talking about those are Roland's guns. They're forged from the steel of the sword of Arthur Eld. On Earth, they call it Excalibur. Right. That's not part of the book. Really? <laughs> That's not the Excalibur thing oh. isn't part of the book. Oh. But like, why are you explaining this? We're fifty six minutes into the movie, <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey Walter is explaining the weapons that that Roland uses. Like, it is too late. No more exposition. 56 minutes in, and you're still giving us exposition? 
we it's too late. Yeah, you you have mispaced your fucking film, and I guess that's what the movie did wrong for me. All right, uh, is that it, it spent so much time trying to explain things that it didn't need to explain, and it was trying to explain things still within the third act of the movie. Um, it didn't flesh out the characters, didn't flesh out Jake, it didn't flesh out Roland, didn't flesh out Walter, but then wasted time creating this base of operations with this weird female general character who's like, like yeah. didn't exist in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember or in the uh, books. Uh, so I read something like when they were announcing the casting for this film and they announced that actress's name and she, oh, she plays the female lead. And apparently that just confused a bunch of Stephen King fans. People thought like, it was Susanna. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? She's not even in this film. <laughs> yeah, so that's. It, it was in that respect. It's it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see like what the story to have read the story and know how it works in the books, and then see it. I mean, it it gives a whole definition of the book was better. Mm. The book was way better mm. than the movie. But I still appreciate being able to have a movie of it. If that makes any sense, Joel. If we were going to remake the Dark Tower. What would we do? Who would we recast? So uh, my recast uh, is compliments of my lovely wife, Jenna. My um, wife. And she went ahead and recast all eight of the major characters. Wow, I have four. Yeah? Yeah. I, st- I start with the Jackie Earl Haley character. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, we didn't do him. Maybe we should just stick with the top four then. All right. I have Sayer. That's the Jackie Earl Haley character. Okay. Uh, Jake, Walter, and Roland. Okay. I've got uh, Jake, Walter, Roland... Um, and we also have uh, Roland's father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's start with him, then. Go ahead. Um, so, you're in good hands. <laughs> he even <laughs> says, when they're doing that uh, reciting of the lines yes. about, uh, I do not yes. shoot with my... Uh, I shoot with my hands. I shoot with my hands. Are you in good hands? <laughs> um, we'll do the father. Uh, how about Tony Todd? How about the candy Love man? It. Okay. That's cool. I didn't cast him. Okay. All right. Who's uh, your... Sayer. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Jackie Earl Haley character. Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis. Oh, well, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah not great. even mocapped. Like Andy Serkis. Yes. Straight up Andy Serkis as dude, his role. After uh, seeing Black Panther again. I love, mm-hmm. I love seeing him on on uh, on screen. Yeah. He's such a presence. Uh, okay, how do we do this top three? Let's do the kid first. You do Jake? Yeah. Okay, Jake Chambers, played by another Jake from Room Jacob Tremblay. Oh, he's about the right age now. Yeah. Well, is he? What, what is this character's age in the books? Uh, he's supposed to be like 11, 12 mm. years old in the book. So he's a little bit older than that in the movie. So there you go, man. Uh, Starting fights at school. You get in a fight in school and the teacher's like, go home. Just go home. Well, first, he got I'm picked like, on. He didn't even start it. <laughs> this is the kid who apparently has emotional problems. Yeah. What kind of an evil fuck is going to come up to a kid <laughs> whose father just passed away like a year or two back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So uh, who's your Jake? I went with um kid's name is Elijah Stevenson. He is in uh, that TV show. There's that... Um, Series on Netflix now called Everything Sucks, which is yeah, basically I it made yet. for us. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not bad. It's very pandering. It's basically Remember the 90s, this series. Gotcha. Uh, and they try to... That's what I've heard. I've heard like the first couple episodes, they they force too many 90s references. A in. little bit. Um, but, but it's kind of like The Wonder Years as well, um, just <laughs> set in the 90s. There's even kind of like a... What would you do? A Winnie Cooper type character. Um, but maybe not as strong uh, writing. And certainly the directing of the children isn't as strong. But this one kid, uh, Elijah Stevenson, he pay, plays like the nerdy kid. Cool. Uh, he does a pretty strong performance there. Nice. And he kind of looks like this actor. So yeah. we, we went with him. All right, I'll have to take a look at this kid. Yeah. Who do you have next? Uh, might as well do uh, Matthew McConaughey. Walter, man in black. The man in black. Mm-hmm. I went with uh, Hugo Weaving. Ooh, yeah. speaking of the Matrix, mm-hmm. yeah, nice. Yeah, I think that that's Hugo Weaving is going to have that kind of gravitas and like the approach of that character 
that you would recognize from the book. I like that. And also and also an actor who can play a good guy and a bad guy, so maybe a little bit of uh, in between there. Sure. Speaking of uh, actors who can who can play both, how about Benedict Cumberbatch? Nice. Mm-hmm. I was this close to going Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch. Nicely yeah, done. That's good. All right, so uh, our Roland, mm-hmm. Roland Deschain. Let's do it. I went with Hugh Jackman. Oh, we're bringing him back uh yeah, making him making him a, a white man again, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna go with Hugh Jackman for that, dude. And, and it's tough, you know. I I like the casting of Idris Elba, and I don't think there was anything wrong. In fact, I'm excited that they're bringing him back for the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always, you know, grew up. I grew up with uh, with my idea of you Roland pictured it in your head, yeah. being kind of like a young Clint Eastwood or you mm-hmm. know a middle aged Clint Eastwood. Uh, and I think that uh, Hugh Jackman, especially seeing Logan, yeah. I think you get him aged up like how he looks in Logan, yeah, and he would be really good for that. Interesting, yeah. Chiseled and uh, mm-hmm. worn oh, yeah. by the years. Yeah, I like that. Um, I did not do that. <laughs> I stuck with, uh, because having not read the books, I've just seen this movie, uh, and I actually kind of like the, the the visual dichotomy there of having, sure. you've got the villain who's the man in black, but you know he's the white devil, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got uh, our hero there, a, a hero of color, and who better? <laughs> In the year 2018. A hero of cuts. <laughs> <laughs> the Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther. Nice. Going to be my gunslinger. Okay, that's good. Who's directing yours? Uh, ooh, didn't have a director. Uh, I went with a director who's no stranger to Stephen King material, mm. Frank Darabont. Oh, dude, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. The best Stephen King films yes. were directed. We got Shawshank and Green Mile, and mm-hmm. he did another one. The didn't Walking he? Dead, he did it. Well, which wasn't really a right. Stephen King thing, but yeah. uh, I mean, that guy. He nails the oh, atmosphere. The mist. Sense. The mist. That's Didn't he right. do the he mist? He did the mist. That's the other did one I'm thinking mist. of. Which, by the way, yes. the mist is a reference to the Dark Tower twice in that movie. At the very beginning, uh, when he's painting, it's Roland. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pay attention to the painting, it's, it is the, the gunslinger that he's painting. And then at the very end, when they're driving through the mist and all the monsters, the creatures are showing up, it's because they're driving through a thinny. That's a, a Stephen King thing that's in the Dark Tower books. Huh. And basically, the creatures that are coming through the portal mm-hmm. are creatures from Midworld. For, that's what I thought, yeah, yeah. because all these uh, books are all... I, I like that idea of like um, just having all of your material that you've created be inter, interwoven. That's, yeah, Stephen King created the MCU before the MCU <laughs> I was, was popular. I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Nicely uh, done. All right, so guys, how would you recast the Dark Tower? What did you think? about the Dark Tower. Did you watch it? If you've watched it, (laughs) were you familiar with the books before you did so? Let me know all about it uh, on our Facebook page. That's Facebook uh, slash Editing Bay, or just easier in the search function, put in the Editing Bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that, and that's where you could talk back to us. And if you have ideas for movies that you'd like for us to talk about in the future, Mm. uh, let us know about it there. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It is EditingBay.com. That's the name of the podcast and also the name of the website. So when you go there, you're going to find links to all of our uh, social media networks, the aforementioned Facebook page, and also our Twitter handle. Follow us there, at the Editing Bay. if you do. You're always going to be the first person to know what movies we're talking about in the coming weeks. Sometimes hide little Easter eggs in there. Yeah. Follow uh, La Madeline Khan from our Clue <laughs> episode a few I weeks back. I forgot that you got that. Um, oh uh, at Editing Bay on Twitter, uh, EditingBay.com, uh, all things Editing Bay archive section where we have uh, links to all of our past episodes. Where, uh, what is it, number 218 episode? <laughs> I think so. That's yeah, right. Thank Allie, you, Allie. Allie confirms that this is episode number 218. So all that and more on EditingBay.com. Guys, leave us a rating and a review on your uh, on your Apple device. There's that podcasting app. You're probably using it right now to listen to this. Uh, in well, the search function, put in the Editing Bay. Blew my mind. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Keanu. Dude, I have to post the pictures from my Chicago trip when I went to the locations from the lake house. 
Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I, right. I say in the pictures, I went to where Keanu Reeves was hit by the bus. Where he dies on the ground. <laughs> um, all right, guys, leave us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate that. It's in that podcasting app. Put the editing bay in that search function. That'll bring up that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes, too. You tap on that. That's where you can leave us a rating, a uh, five-star rating, please, and a review. Let us know what you like about the show. And then uh, share it with your friends. If you have an Android device, you could find us in the iTunes library by using the Podcast Addict and Podcast Republic apps. Love them. Joel, what are we doing next week? Well, uh, Joe, I know we've, we've got our slate coming up um, of, of episodes. A lot of movies we've got to squeeze in between the, now and the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, so the slate is filling up. And before we get too far removed, um, I want to talk about not just one film, but a series of films. Uh, so you know for my, my, my 40th birthday a couple of weeks back, Jenna surprised me with a little trip to Orlando. Yeah. Um, and we went to Universal Studios, mm-hmm. and we visited the, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which uh, before watching this, unbeknownst to me, this was all a surprise, but we had been watching all, I think I even mentioned on this podcast, we've been watching all the movies, wanted mm-hmm. to get them all out of the way. Uh, I'm, I'm all caught up on my Harry Potter lore. Uh, and I want to talk about not just one Harry Potter movie, but the entire saga. Okay. Because I don't want to string it out. Holy shit. But there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we're not going to dive down in each individual film, but uh, kind of like what we, we've done this before with the uh, the Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's enough fodder there uh, where I, I really want to hear your thoughts. I don't well, think there we've... isn't because Voldemort killed his father. <laughs> This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know that we've ever really discussed much. Uh, I don't think we have. Have you read the books, Joe? I've never read the books. All right, me neither. So all I know are these films. Uh, they are quite an achievement and accomplishment, um, but they're not without their uh, their quibbles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those things that attack the That's Starship right, Enterprise. That's right, <laughs> <laughs> Little furry creatures. All right. Well, no. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is something I should probably try to enlist uh, Sarah Yeah, into. we might have some special guests on this episode. Yeah, she, uh, she loves her some Harry Potter. Who doesn't? Uh, I, Voldemort. <laughs> he, he does not love Harry Potter. Also, I'll talk about. Uh, we just recently watched the the no, prequels to uh, the Harry Potter films. These um, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Have you seen that film? Sure have. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne came out. Mm-hmm. We just saw that last week, and they've got the sequel of that coming out later this year. So, yeah. uh, all Harry Potter talk next cool. week. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, <laughs> have fun trying to cram all the Harry Potter movies before <laughs> next week. Uh, seriously, you've probably already seen them. Right. Uh, just get yourself a little refresher, and then we will catch you uh, next week to talk about the Harry Potter franchise. Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Yeah. Joel, always a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. See you guys next week. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.